to start out by saying we want God and we want the Spirit of God and we want the Word of God to come through the music, to come through the message, to come through everything that we do loud and clear. We want it to come through the microphone loud and clear. We want God to be glorified. We want Jesus Christ to be lifted up. We don't want Grace Church to be lifted up. I don't want to be lifted up. We don't want to lift you up. We want Jesus Christ to be lifted up. And in the process of lifting Jesus Christ up, we are going to be lifted up. We are going to be encouraged and we are going to be strengthened. And as I was praying this morning, my wife and I were able to, uh, we were able to pawn off our boys for the evening. We had a date night and uh, we just spent a lot of time praying together, which was awesome. But man, we, I was just praying, Lord, I pray that it would be your words that come through this mouth this morning. Because honestly, I can speak a lot of words, I can say a lot of things, and it's not going to benefit you much. But if the word of God speaks through me today, it's going to benefit you greatly. And it's going to be very powerful for your life, and for your family, and for your business, and for this community. It's going to be possibly life-changing. And so I've been praying for the Lord to speak through me today to your hearts and to your minds. And uh, that's been my request of, of, of the Father. Uh, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And before I uh, jump into the scriptures there, you've probably seen some of the construction going, around, going on around the building. Um, I just have to brag just for a moment on the pastors of grace here. From the Grace Church Summit that we did a few weeks ago, um, shoot, might, might even be a month ago, uh, one feedback that we got was we need more space downstairs in our children's ministry. We are growing and we're running out of space. And so what we did is we brought all the offices that were downstairs, we brought them upstairs. We're doing a collaborative workspace. And I thought there was going to be some pushback from the pastors, honestly, of like, I don't want to give up my office, man. You know, I have... Ohio State Buckeye colors on the wall, right? We all know who that is, yeah, all right? I don't want to give up my office because it's so dark, it looks like a cave, right? All right? Keith was like, I'll give up my office. Actually, Reeland, I meant to say Reeland. Did you see Reeland's office? That was, that, that was fun. Uh, but anyways, we have moved all the offices upstairs, and it created over 800 square feet for our children's ministry. And so there's going to be some more construction coming um, in the next couple weeks. But uh, man, I just want to brag on our pastors. They don't care about a big office. They could care less. What they care about is advancing the kingdom of God here in La Plata County. And they want to do whatever it takes to create space, uh, to help our church grow, to help our church impact, and to reach more people. That's the focus. That's what it's all about. So little props to the pastors. Um, you guys owe me a pizza or something, okay? <laughs> All right, First John chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading verses 1 and 2. Let me just give a disclaimer. This is an awesome section of Scripture, and uh, the Lord is going to speak through it in a mighty way today. First John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it begins by saying, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God, exclamation point. That's how you say that. We are called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him, verse 2. 
Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. So chapter 3 in this letter from the Apostle John, it opens with the word, Behold! This is a section of Scripture the Apostle John and the Holy Spirit want us to pay close attention to. He says, Behold! Behold! Look! Feel free to read other Scriptures if you like, but make sure you stop right here. Make sure you take just a pause. Make sure you take just a few moments to read this section carefully. That's what it means when it says, Behold, look, stop. It's a yield sign. Pay attention. Look at this. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us. Think think with me, church, just for a moment about who you used to be apart from Jesus Christ. Think about your life pre-faith, pre-coming to Jesus, pre-your relationship with God. Think about who you used to be apart from Christ. And, And think with me for just a moment of who you are now in Jesus Christ. The divine grace of God is powerful in you. We are called the children of God. Children of God. Think about a son's relationship to his father or a daughter's relationship to her father. Think about the benefits that come with being a son or a daughter of God. We also can't forget the responsibility that comes or the honor that must be shown to our Father. Now imagine the love of a good father. Imagine the love of a good father. I know there's some bad fathers. There's some that are sitting here this morning saying, I don't even know my father. I didn't have a good example to follow. But imagine with me for just a few moments the love of a good father. The love a good father has towards his children. All of this... All of this love, all of the benefits that come with being the son or a daughter of a good father. All of this, actually more than this, we now have through Jesus Christ. Behold, stop what you're doing. John is saying even, hey, listen, angels, listen, stop what you're doing. Listen, all the earth, listen, all the universe, stop for just a moment. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. That we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Church, we must be willing to follow God even if it leads to humiliation. Because in doing so, we will be exalted with Him. We must be willing to follow Him wherever He leads. Beloved, now we are the children of God. So it's easy, it's so easy to read that section of Scripture 
But it's not easy to feel that section of Scripture. Now we are the children of God. Church, let me ask you just for a moment this morning. How, how's your heart? How is your heart? I, I read that. I just read it to you a few times. Now we are the children of God. It's so easy to read, but it's not so easy to feel. Are you in the lowest depths of sorrow and suffering? Now you are a child of God. Does shame and guilt rise within your spirit? Maybe you're walking in here filled with shame and guilt from what you did last night. And it's just consuming you and it's crushing you. Beloved, now you are a child of God. Does grace seem like a fairy tale? Some far-fetched dream? Now you are a child of God. Does your faith almost fail you? Are you at your wit's end? Does all seem hopeless? I, I just can't put up with this life anymore. I can't take it. Beloved, now are you a child of God. Church, fear not. It's not your beauty. It's not your physique. It's not your feeling which you are. You must live simply by naked faith in Jesus Christ. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's Christ and Christ alone. Beloved, now are we the children of God. Man, the world can just stack against us. The world can just stack against us. When it feels like the foot of the devil is on your neck and his sword is drawn and he's ready to slay you, beloved, now are you a child of God. Is it making sense, church? When you're at the lowest low, at the depth of darkness, in that darkest moment, in that hardest moment, in that weakest moment, you are a son or a daughter of God. Man, know this, church. Know what comes. Know the benefits that come with being a child of the King. Now you are a child of God. In the valley, on the mountaintop, in prison, on the beach, in the palace, in the shack, at the wild horse saloon, at the stadium, beloved, now are you a child of God. His love for you is not based upon your performance. 
His love for you is based upon His righteousness and His holiness and His goodness. And you know what? That means His love for you is rock solid. Rock solid. Beloved, now are we the children of God. Could you say that with me right now? Uh, Just say, I am a child of God. Say it right now. I am a child of God. It's pretty awesome. It's easy to say. It's hard to feel. But please, don't base your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding on feelings. Base it on the truth of God's Word. And He says, now you are a child of God. Right now. You say, but I still don't feel it. I don't feel like a child of God. I don't feel righteous. I don't feel very glorious. Honest pastor, my light isn't shining. If there was a category for lame Christians, I would be in that category. Let's read the next part of the scripture. It says, It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The fact is, church, none of us are much like Jesus Christ right now. None of us. But we are in the refining process. We are being sanctified. We are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And we have the promise of God in Philippians 1, 6, when he said, God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. He is in the process of washing us clean. And John says, we know that when he is revealed, speaking of Jesus Christ, we shall be like him. That's incredible. We will be like Jesus Christ, for we shall see him as he is. We're being refined. The the rough edges are being knocked off daily, sometimes hourly, and sometimes even second by second for some of us. We're being refined. We're being sanctified. Verse 3, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Verse 5, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. You know, I read those those verses right there, verses 3 through 5, and I read them in two different ways. First of all, He came to take away our sins. He came to take away the sins that we've committed. Jesus took the penalty, He took the punishment for our sins, for your sins. He also came to take away the power of our sins. He came to conquer our controlling lusts to take away our evil imaginations, to purify us, and to make us more like Himself. Consider with me just just for a moment the incredible mercy shown towards us to take away our sins. That's why it's hard for me, man, when we're singing, it's hard for me not to just weep because I know what I deserve, church. I know what I should get. But the incredible mercy of God shown towards me, it just blows me away. 
that God, the king of all kings, would die for me, would give his life for me. He would get off of his throne. Do you know of any king who has ever gotten off his throne to go and die for some poor beggar? But our God did that. He got off his throne and he came to earth and he gave his life for this poor beggar. It's incredible, the mercy shown to us. Many of us have been striving. Man, we, it's the, I heard a, a good buddy refer to it as the religion of perfection. We're striving. We're striving. And we've been striving for a long, long time. We've been striving to conquer our sins. And we cannot do it. We're always left just in this state of frustration because maybe for a day we drive them out. Maybe for a day, maybe for an hour, you know, we, we walk in victory over our sin. But they always return and we can't overcome them. And we can't defeat them. Maybe we have a day of victory, but our sins return like a hurricane. They come with even more vengeance. We would have victory over this sin or that sin, but they seem to return just ever stronger. But here's a thought for us, church. Here's a thought. John says, they shall all be taken away. I don't know about you, but the sins that I battle in my life, thinking about every single one of them being taken. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins. And so He will. The time will come when you and I will stand before the Almighty God without any spot, without any blemish, without any sin. There will be no shame. There will be no depression, no guilt, no pain, no suffering. What a moment that will be. What a moment. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Hey, look at the person sitting next to you and say, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I can't imagine. I can, but I don't know if it's completely what it's going to look like. I'm going to move on. Verse 6. <laughs> Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. This is a tough little verse because it has been used and abused. This plain and simple verse has been twisted by some to to believe in the doctrine of perfection. They have made it say that, that it is possible for some people to become sinless this side of heaven. You can reach perfection before Christ returns. But we should read this text as we find it written. Whoever abides... I'm just trying to get you to interact with me, okay? Say abides with me. Whoever abides... Whoever abides in Christ does not sin. Whoever abides in Christ does not sin. If you're abiding in Christ... 
That means you're living for Christ. And if you're living for Christ, you're probably not sinning. This passage doesn't mean that the one abiding in Christ doesn't sin at all. It means the one abiding in Christ doesn't sin when he or she is abiding in Christ. Does that make any sense at all? Can you shake your heads just so I, if not, I'll stay here for a little bit. Okay. But the moment we stop abiding in Christ, we talked about abiding last Sunday. The moment we stop abiding in Christ, we have now lowered the drawbridge for the enemy to walk right into our lives and to cause all kinds of chaos. So the moment we stop abiding is the moment we are most vulnerable. But when we are abiding, when we are clinging to, and we are sticking to, when we are conforming to, and we are obedient to Christ, we can walk in great victory over sin. The moment we step out of that abiding, we are toast. Toast. Slaughtered. Um, Not going to make it. Um, Heads are going to roll. Let's go with toast. Let's go with toast. The Bible often calls a man righteous, but that doesn't mean he's perfectly righteous. It calls a man a sinner, but it doesn't imply that he hasn't done some good deeds in his life. It means that it's in his nature or in his character to sin. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. It's my nature. It just, it just comes naturally. My parents never saw, uh, set me down and said, Son, we're going to teach you how to be a thief today. Son, we're going to teach you how to lie. Son, I, I'm going to teach you how to talk back to me in a way that will be extremely disrespectful. You know, they never gave me those lessons because it came naturally to me. It's the same with the man who abides in Christ. His nature or his character has changed to righteousness. Someone cannot continue to sin with no repentance. I'm going to say this as clear as I know how. Someone cannot continue to sin with no repentance or no conviction and say that they are a child of God. God, the good Father, will not allow His children to willfully sin without coming in with some correction, without coming in with some discipline, without saying, knock it off. He will not allow His children to willfully sin or to continually miss the mark, which is the definition of sin, without conviction. Verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Okay, that's the sign. That's how you know good works are the fruit of grace. So he who practices righteousness is righteous. It's not rocket science. If you're practicing righteousness, you're righteous. Good works prove that I'm walking in righteousness and I'm walking in the righteousness of Christ. Good works don't 
uh, help the righteousness of Jesus, and in no way do they make me righteous. Okay, Good works don't make me righteous. Good works are of no use whatsoever when it comes to my salvation. But good works prove my salvation. Good works are a beneficial, they, they are a beneficial effect of, of my salvation because they bring us comfort, they benefit others, and good works bring glory to God. So good works has nothing to do with my salvation, but good works prove my salvation. Verse 8, he who, and you could add continually, okay, he who continually sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot continually sin. That's the thinking, because he has been born of God. Verse 10, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. How do you know, you know? How do you know who's, who's of God, who's not of God? Whoever, here's the answer. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. It would be good for us, church. It would be so good for us to remember that practical godliness is the soul, it's the core of true godliness. And what I mean by that is people don't need a talking religion. They need a walking religion. La Plata County doesn't need a talking faith. It needs a faith that shows up. It needs a faith that is visible. In order for us to grow, we must go. We have to. Our faith becomes visible through the practice of righteousness. That's how you know. Righteousness proves our faith to be sincere. It's not having a religious tongue. You know, saying all the right things. It's not being able to give all the right theological answers. The best evidence of true righteousness is the salvation of the soul. And when the soul is truly transformed, the words, the actions, the love is going to flow out in abundance. It's going to happen. If it's sincere in your heart, that's how you will know it. Faith without works is toast. Faith without works is worthless. It's disgusting. It's dead. They have to go together. They have to church. It's not just playing church on Sunday mornings. It's, it's living it out day in and day out. Whoever, man, this is so, so rich. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. <clears throat> Nor is he who does not love his brother. John concludes this section 
by sharing the benefits that come with abiding in Christ. All right? We're Americans. You're like, what, what do I get out of this? Let me answer that for you. The benefits are victory over sin and righteousness. Church, our community, our community desperately needs to see this love, this faith, this righteousness in action. It desperately needs to. I, man, I know I've said this before, but I am just so tired of seeing marriages crash and burn and seeing children being raised without fathers and seeing good people controlled by their addictions. And it's just, I've, I've had it up to here. I'm done with it. Our community needs to see Jesus Christ. They need to see a band of Christ followers who love each other with a radical kind of love. People who take off their masks and they share their lives with one another. People who laugh and cry and pray and sing and serve together in authentic Christian fellowship. People who have more share freely with those who have less. Our community needs to see people crossing the racial divides and celebrating cultural differences. Righteousness lived out. Church, righteousness lived out would offer unbelievers a vision of life that is so beautiful it would take their breath away. If they genuinely saw righteousness and they can genuinely see Christ in us, they would see hope for their life, they would see vision for their life that they could not resist. A vision of life so bold, so creative, so dynamic, they couldn't turn away from it. They couldn't resist it. I, I have wrestled with this throughout my whole life in ministry because it's not going to be me talking. That transforms lives. Okay, That's not even going to get close to what this community needs. But my, my talking is just a small little piece to help and equip and encourage and edify and to build. But what is going to light up this community is you. When they see you radically loving one another. When they see you living a life that is so bold, so creative, so dynamic, like Kyle prayed this morning, they would say, that doesn't make any sense. I got to go check it out. I got I to gotta talk to them about what, what is going on in their life. What, what is the deal? <laughs> right? How do we do this? Okay. Here's the benefits, uh, victory over sin, righteousness. Here's the how-to. How do we do this? God already showed us how to do this. The king of all kings, he came to earth, and he said not to be served, but to serve. He humbled himself, and he took the humble position of a servant or a slave. This love that God had for us was full of action. Full. He did things to prove His love for you. So if we as a church are going to genuinely say we love our community, we love La Plata County, 
We love the people. We have to do stuff to prove that. Because they're going to say, heard that before. There's a gazillion churches in this community that have said that before. Prove it. Prove it. So God proved his love for you. He served. He helped. He encouraged. He edified. He forgave. He lived without sin. And ultimately, he gave his all. He gave his last breath to prove his love for you. He, he, everything. He gave, he gave it all. And he died to take your penalty, your punishment for sin, my punishment for sin. And he died to remove the sting of death. Yes, we're all going to die, but you know what? There is hope because of what Christ did. The sting has been removed. Death is no longer final because Jesus clobbered death. Jesus did an elbow drop on death's head. Death is demolished. It's finished. And he rose again from the grave. He conquered death. Death couldn't keep Jesus down. Couldn't do it. I'm going to invite the band to come on up uh, this morning. And we're going to finish with an incredible song. It's a really old song. And it's a very powerful song. The title of this song is How Deep the Father's Love for Us. It's an incredible, incredible song. And I'm going to ask you to stand and let's sing it together. And church, I just want to encourage us. Let's, uh, let's truly love our community. And uh, I'm excited about... Uh, Reland's going to be sharing some things, even with us this morning, some things that are coming up uh, ahead of us. But as a church, we're going to be... Uh, we're going to be encouraging you. We're going to be leading you to prove that love, especially to our community. All right, let's sing out how great or how deep the Father's love for us.